According to the 2021 Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report, 85% of breaches involve human error. The main threat vector attackers are using is email. This isn't new, but attacks have become more sophisticated as security has improved. Having good email security is no longer good enough, and in this podcast, we'll explore the ways bad actors are using email to target people and get them to do their nefarious work for them. I'm Charles Commons, and welcome to Good Isn't Good Enough, powered by Proofpoint. Today, I'm joined by cybersecurity strategist at Proofpoint, Matt Cook. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you very much, Charles. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's get straight into it then. What makes email security so important for organizations today then? Well, I guess email security, um, and we often talk about it as being like the number one threat vector. But if you looked at, I guess, all of the the cybersecurity risks that an organization face, if you look at the top three risks kind of by likelihood, they're all people-centric, right? We'll talk about ransomware and business email compromise and, and also data loss incidents. All of these generally somehow involve people. And the way you can communicate with people is over email. And, and you know, that hasn't changed. The email's been here for you know, a long, long time and attackers use it to target our people. And so that's that's kind of the reason, really, that we, we kind of always talk about email being that number one threat vector just because it's, it's most likely that your people are going to be targeted across email. Yeah, as you say, it's been there for a long time. We use it all the time. It doesn't matter whether we're in work or at home. It's now on our phones as well. So there's all sorts of opportunities, isn't there, for these bad actors? Absolutely, there is. And, and you know, everyone's kind of got email security. We've all grown up with it, right? Whether we knew it was there or not, it's been on running on the gateway. It's been filtering our messages as it's come through. And, you know, up until this point, it's kind of done an all right sort of job keeping a good amount of that uh, rubbish, if you like, the background noise kind of away, all of that spam that we used to have to deal with back in the day and all of the, those types of malicious messages as well. They're, they're getting filtered out. But what's still getting through is the stuff that's really, really targeted and, and effectively socially engineered in order to try and actually bypass that filtering and actually arrive in people's inboxes. Um, you know, to give, give you a, a, an example, you know, I mean, ransomware, obviously hot topic at the moment. Every, everyone's kind of talking about ransomware. If you look in, in the press, you know, the vast majority of ransomware attacks actually start with email. I think it was Palo Alto came out, their own research you know, from a network security vendor said, actually, we see about 75% of ransomware attacks happening on email. And, you know, other folks have kind of come out and, and, and back that up as well. And, and given that that is the case, you know, we, you know, it's really where we need to be focusing our defenses actually is on that number one threat vector, is on these attacks that target those people. I mean, it might be incredibly obvious saying this, but it's essentially what we all see as, as, as the public, I suppose, and what our education is within this sort of field within cybersecurity is that you get an email, there might be a link. If you click on it, then it could come up with that, you know, that big picture of the the cyber bug, if you like, and uh, that will be your computer shut down until you pay the ransom fee or, or whatever it is that they're actually looking to do, whether it's getting data from your company or whatever. But but that's what we see as as the public. That's how we, I suppose, see cybersecurity and the threats that are coming to us from outside and from these bad actors. Yeah, it, it is, and and. 
in days gone by, we've all been told, oh, before you click on that link, just have a look at it and try and work out, is it is it fishy or not? And honestly, at the moment, I think that advice is almost dead. You know, I think we're at a point now where you know, we've all got jobs to do. We're all busy. You know, The emails that arrive in our inbox, we want to just get on with them and get the job done. And if that means that we have to click on a link and uh, download something, that's what we need to do in our daily lives. So we're becoming even more reliant on that email security technology in order to block those threats and keep them away from us and ultimately keep us safe so that we can, you know, as people continue being as productive as we can be, essentially. Uh, I will own up right here and right now and say I'm the complete opposite. Uh, I tend to just leave my email. It will just sit there and I'll have a thousand notification, you know, the little red circle saying with a very large number inside of it. And it will then be right one day I will just go through and I will see it. But you are right. You get to that point where you just go, right, it's in my inbox. And you don't think about the fact that it could be dangerous. You just go in. And especially these days where they can look like they're from somebody that you know. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, you know, there's almost like an inherent trust, right? If it's arrived in your inbox, it must be for you. It must be from someone that you know. It must be, you know, you've got an email in your inbox right now. It says it's from Matt. Well, okay, that. how do you know? you know? It looks like it's from me, but how do you know it was me that actually sent it? Well, you know, in the background, are we using technology like email authentication to validate, you know, yes, this is, this is an email. It's come from Matt. And actually, you know, even when we're doing that, do we actually know it was Matt at the keyboard at the other end sending that message? Because what if my account had been compromised and someone was able to send messages on my behalf? Well, then, you know, that makes the, the challenge even harder as well. So I think we're at the point where the content that we receive on on email generally, we need to we need to evaluate it. We need to work out actually what are we doing? What actions are we taking? And as a result, what risks could we be facing by not just interacting with the message, but but taking action off the back of it? You know, in other words, am I downloading an attachment and opening that attachment? Is it something that I was expecting to to do? You know, has it come from the right place? You know, it, it, and similarly, am I paying bills? Am, has Matt just asked you to pay an invoice? Well, is it a new bank account number? Has that changed? You know, there, there's a, so much more. Unfortunately, there's so much more that kind of needs to go through our heads today compared to, you know, in days gone by. And that's actually more of a cultural thing and just general security awareness that organizations really need to kind of breed into their employees to uh, to help them kind of understand the risks ultimately that they could be introducing. And I suppose it's that thing, isn't it, where we talk about employees having to be a big part of this these days because of the fact that social engineering is aimed at people and normally it's aimed at the the, the lower rungs, you know, the, the, the people that they think, right, well, if I can get in there, then I can work my way up through the system, through the data, through the identities to get at the bit that I really, really want. That's the bit that actually in the past – when I've worked for organizations, I've often kind of gone, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't really, I'm not really that bothered. All you're doing is putting things in my way to do my job. But actually, what we need to sort of be doing is is making the employees understand that they are the ones that are being targeted. And therefore, they're the ones that need to be probably the most vigilant. But at the same time, make it as easy as possible for them to still do their job. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you you started that bit out by sort of talking about you know, everyone's kind of being targeted, and to a certain degree they are. But interestingly, one one thing that we we can do at Proofpoint is we obviously see a lot of these emails coming through. We can see who's being attacked, 
And interestingly, uh, one of the stats that we kind of try and pick out is we try and associate risk based on the attack types that people are facing. And yes, you know, lots of people face your huge volume attacks that kind of basically are targeted at pretty much anyone out in the world. In other words, not targeted, right? They're, they're pretty much just thrown out there. But interestingly, managers and executives, whilst they only kind of make up about 10% of our users, they actually represent about 50% of the most severe attack risk. And by severe attack risk, we really mean these are the threats that are really targeted to you, right? This email was designed to get to you versus anyone else. Or this email has got a malicious payload of a type that we haven't seen before or is quite rare. You know, it's not particularly prevalent. And therefore, it carries a much more severe attack risk uh, along with it. And so interestingly, you know, managers and executives, you know, only 10% are users, but actually 50% of the risk for a lot of the, that a lot of organizations face. And what that highlights is that people are different. You know, we're all different in the way that we work, but we've all got access to different things. You know, I've got access to certain data. Other people in finance may have access to money. Other people may in IT may have access to systems. It, we've all got a certain amount of privilege in what we have access to. And similarly, what, what we look to try and do is actually understand how vulnerable each of these individual people are as well. In other words, how likely am I to kind of click on a link? And we can, we can assess some of that. And if we can combine that vulnerability, we can combine that privilege with also, you know, who's being attacked with what, then we build up this, this picture that we refer to as the VAP, the vulnerability attack and privilege model, which actually helps us then focus in on where the risk lies. And if we can focus on the risk, we can apply the right controls to the right people. So, you know, we started out there by saying, Everyone's different. Yeah, everyone's different. So let's apply the right controls to the right people so that they're not getting in the way in the way that you described, right? Again, security can't get in people's way and it can't stop them from being productive. We need to we need to absolutely just apply the right controls at the right time. And some of those controls could be training, right? Just making sure people are educated if they're facing higher risk compared to anyone else. That's really interesting, actually, because I always used to feel like it was just a blanket you know, everybody has to do this, regardless of where they are and what they had access to. And that was probably the thing that, for me, made me feel like, oh, this is just an annoyance. This isn't actually helping me. Whereas what you're saying is now what we need to do is actually go personal and go to the right people and give them the right things that will help to protect them personally or, or their role personally. So that, therefore, you're not getting in anybody's way you're not stopping people from accessing things that they actually need access to or you're you're making it a longer period of time because obviously productivity becomes an issue especially uh, in organizations in in this day and age yeah absolutely and it kind of evolves security to become almost adaptive security it is you know as you were saying there it's, it's making sure that we're getting to the right people at the right time you know, with, the, with probably the right content as well and the right controls so you know, if, for example, I'm working in finance and we've, maybe we've detected that some of the organizations that we're dealing with maybe have had an account that's been compromised or perhaps is considered at risk at that point in time, maybe that's the right time where I should be asked to just do a, bit, do a little bit of security awareness training online around business email compromise, around imposter fraud, around the techniques that attackers will use to try and trick me to send the money into the right, the right place. The days again of 
uh, we're talking about things that have kind of gone by, right? That that we talked earlier about the advice of saying, actually, you know, I'll hover over that link and check it. Well, it's not really relevant anymore because I don't think anyone can decipher some of those SharePoint and OneDrive links come through. But similarly, with, with security awareness training, the days of actually doing, you know, once a year training, everyone has to do it. I think that's kind of gone as well. I think we really, really need to be making sure that we're training people with the right content at the right time. You know, there's no point if I've not got access to 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 money. Well, maybe I shouldn't necessarily be be trained on the risks associated with those invoices coming through. Perhaps it's more relevant for me to actually uh, understand. You know, should I be clicking on links coming from particular domains or pati- you know, particular addresses or whatever it happens to be? You know, making sure that I'm basically being trained on the right things at the right time is is really really key. Now, whenever we do any any kind of podcast or webinar or anything like that, we're not trying to scare anybody, are we? We're just trying to give them the information that they need in order to help protect themselves better. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here. However, I do always feel like having an example of something where it's not quite been up to speed and where it's gone wrong is always quite useful. It tends to hit home a little bit easier. Have you got any examples, Matt, of the way that cyber criminals are now targeting organizations through email that we can sort of hopefully learn from a bit a furniture retailer that we were um, working with recently and that worked with obviously manufacturers of furniture and those manufacturers they made specific pieces of furniture and supplied them to the retailer now at a certain point in time the retailer obviously gets sent an invoice and they pay the invoice for the goods that, that they've received and obviously sold on from there um, now what, what was interesting was actually we detected that actually in that manufacturer was an account compromise. Yeah, we actually saw that invoices were being generated and being sent out from legitimate accounts, but we could see that actually that they were using different information compared to all of the others. In other words, different bank account information that could be picked up from there. And by doing that, we we were then able to actually look at other characteristics as well of the messages and pick out that actually, yeah, this account had been compromised, basically. A, an attacker had taken over an account in this manufacturer, was able to then generate invoices, and these organizations, in this case, the, the, the retailer, almost paid the bill, thankfully didn't. The messages got flagged up and alerted to them. Um, but that's the sort of level that attackers are going at you know, these days. Instead of just you know going out with blanket atta- attacks, it is very much more kind of targeted. What can I get access to? How can I pretend to be someone else in the best way that I can be? You know, imposter fraud has been around, been around for a long, long time, and this really is just attackers using the tools that they've got at their disposal, which is you know us essentially, and using us and our identity in order to compromise others and and defraud them of money. Yeah, we talked before, didn't we, about um, education being one of those things that we can all do is is to make sure that we're protecting our employees by giving them the information and the knowledge that they need to make sure that they hopefully don't click on any links that they shouldn't be doing uh, and that that social engineering aspect is not happening. Um, But what else can we be doing to protect ourselves, Matt? You mentioned before about having better tools that will actually be able to stop these from coming into our inbox in the first place. Yeah, um, technology is key. So, uh, you know, as we said at the start, we've all kind of grown up with email security. It's been running there on the gateway. And it's at the point where, you know, a lot of organizations are, are actually wondering now what function that's performing for them because they're still having to deal with a lot of threats that come through. 
And the way they see that more often than not is because an employee maybe has reported something that might be suspicious or they've clicked on something. And if they've clicked on something and that's created a security incident and that leads on to the security team having to investigate that and all the additional overheads that kind of go along uh, alongside that. What we can do now with technology is by actually, if we can use the most effective te technology on the front end, if we can stop more threats coming through, if we can understand that actually email security isn't just about an email gateway, that actually it goes beyond that. It goes into email authentication. It goes into sandbox technology. It goes into security awareness training. It's multiple layers, but those layers actually give us that greater level of e efficacy in order to stop more. Now, and if, if we then stop more, of course that reduces risk, right? It reduces risk because the bad stuff's not getting through. But that also has then the knock-on impact for the security team of the operational efficiencies because all those support incidents that they were chasing around of you know, that potential ransomware um, incident that, that they need to investigate, that potential phishing link, credential phishing link that somebody clicked on that they need to look at that account and find out if it's been compromised. You know, they'll see a reduction ultimately in those cases, which will then free them, there's essential resources up effectively to do to do other tasks. So efficacy on the front end, we do that through technology, but layers of technology. Um, and then, then that ultimately leads on to operational uh, efficiencies on the, on the back end as well. And of course, in the middle of all of that is actually the visibility because you know, we, we talked about understanding where our risk lies. Um, you know, who's vulnerable, who's been attacked, who's got privilege, having the visibility of all of that, you know, actually enables us, enables us to be much, much more effective and apply the right controls in the right place. So it's kind of three things. It's efficacy, yeah, it's visibility, and it's and that ultimately will lead on to that operational efficiency. That's brilliant, Matt. Thanks so much for giving us all that information. I suppose in my mind, I'm sort of thinking to myself, the role of, let's say, CISO, for example, at the moment, they're the, at the board level. Um, for years, I know that there's been certain people turning around and going, they, they wish they had more, um, I, I suppose, buy-in from the rest of the board about the cybersecurity. And it, it seems to be a case of it only gets taken seriously when it's too late. But now what we're seeing is a little bit more of um, let's get this information out there. Let's actually push it so that everybody within the business is aware of what's going on or within their organization is aware of what could happen if certain things weren't done and weren't basically you weren't careful enough with um it's a nice place to sort of see it happening but there's still an awful lot of work to be done and, and I, I guess in a way we're never going to be completely and utterly secure just simply because of the fact that this is a it's a two-way race almost isn't it there's the good guys there's the bad guys there's always going to be those two sides and they're always going to be trying to outdo each other yeah, there is, and and you know, for the last few years in sort of security, we the CISOs and the security teams have been building up their capabilities to kind of detect and respond to those threats. They, you know, making their assumptions, the right assumptions, that ultimately at some point they're going to get hit with something, and they need the capability in order to be able to detect that and to be able to respond to that. But where we're at right now is actually those teams often are quite swamped, right? They've got alerts coming at them from all over the place. So, so actually having that greater visibility of what's coming in, but ultimately being more effective up front and stopping a lot of that coming through, that's, that's really going to be key for the, for the CISO, for those teams in order to reduce the pressures that, that kind of the, they're facing ultimately. And, and it, 
we talk about it sometimes in a way of by saying it's sort of about shifting the technology to the left. In other words, moving it, moving it closer to the attacker. If we can move our defenses closer to the attacker, we keep it further away from our end users and further away from our uh, security teams having to respond on, on the back end as well. So we can then become much more proactive and you know, by stopping more, well, we've got that visibility of everything that we're stopping. And actually that then helps us with that internal buy-in that you kind of talked about and actually being able to say, well, hey, did you know that in the last week we were being attacked by you know, these particular threat actors with this type of threat and it was targeting these employees? We believe the objective was ransomware and we've successfully stopped that. You know, over the last week, it was, we've seen this many threats that kind of come through. Having that type of information actually empowers the CISO in, in order to have the right discussions and to, to actually demonstrate how good the team are doing, but also, you know, to highlight the fact that, you know, they've got their defenses in the right place. They're doing the right things in order to protect the organization. Brilliant. And we'll be going through some of those more specific things, like you said, ransomware. We also mentioned uh, account compromise earlier on as well. We're going to be going through those with different experts all the way through this series. And then, Matt, you'll be back right at the end as well as we chat about how we can basically look at everything and that essentially good is no longer good enough. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks for joining me as well, Matt. It's been a pleasure having you on. Awesome. Thank you very much indeed. You've been listening to Good Isn't Good Enough, a podcast about email security powered by Proofpoint. For more information, check out the links in the podcast description or go to proofpoint.com.